Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to Wake Up at Woodfordia. We're coming to you live from the Woodford Folk Festival 2019 here on 4UB 98.1. My name is Julian and with me in the studio this fine morning, 6am sharp, is Kwesi from the African group and Nelly from the Finnish group. Say Hello. Hi guys. Good morning. Hi. Is this our third day at Woodford? Yeah. It's all bl- blending together. I'm it excited. is. Yeah. I can't keep track. It's normally the case of a Christmas holidays that you lose track of time and I mm. think here it's even more so like that. You guys are much more sprightly than the first time around, i got to say. We have practice now. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more used to it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, what do we have today? We've got a lot of really, really good stuff. Um, you guys have been out. I have been out. And um, our, the, our B team, let's say, the, the <laughs> guys from yesterday's show have also been out and collecting a bunch of really, really good stuff. Um, so we've got a bunch of music. We've got two interviews per person today, which is really, really good. I hope you guys like interviews because... Everyone here brings like their special sort of quality to the interview table. Uh, Quasi, you and I were talking yesterday about you asking more sort of like radio questions and Nelly asked some of the more political things or sciencey things. And I like just asking artists what they feel like it's it's it, 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 different interviews for different people, for different audiences. And it mm. just it works out really well. So um, we've got variety today and I hope you enjoy variety because we may have three hours of broadcast today. I was told uh, the Oxygen program has kindly donated their time. And I will have a look at what other programs also gave us their time this fine Saturday. No, not Saturday morning. It is... Monday? Monday. Monday morning. Wow. See, See, time is warm. Time flies by. That's right. It's the 30th of December. Can you believe it? Tomorrow is like the last day of 2019. Are we doing anything special to celebrate the end of the year? Oh, we've got an ESCII here, so... (laughs) I meant for the radio, but... (laughs) Some interesting things in the program and then we have our long broadcast on the first year of the day as well so that's right wow. that's right so i've got a little bit of music for you guys uh, danny whittacombe and trichotomy collected by bruce uh, you heard bruce yesterday and maybe i'm not entirely sure he played you a little bit of it already but here they are they're a new sort of project trichotomy have been around for quite a while and they've come join forces with danny whittacombe and they bring you the song red hill Seven days I'll be side my sins 
That was Danny Whittacombe and Trichotomy with Red Hill. That was recorded a couple of days ago by Barus. Thank you to Barus. And also thank you to the Mary Group here at Fori B for generously giving us their time this fine Monday morning. With me in the studio are Kwesi and Nelly. This is Wake Up at Woodfordia. Um, we were talking about it just before. Uh, we've reached the halfway point, haven't we, guys? It feels insane. Because yeah. I, I feel like we've done so, so, so much in such a short span of time to right. think it's only halfway. It's incredible to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've done so much, but also it's gone so quickly. So I feel like I've completely actually lost track of time. Mm. Like you said, uh, we, we've we've uh, only reached halfway. I would say we've already reached halfway. It feels sort of like the days have been going on for much longer. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like yesterday, I mean, I was I was up at like six and I got into bed at midnight. So, you know, wow. pretty much spent all day out at the festival. And yeah, no, it's it's time flies, but also seems to be weirdly slow here. It's it's got that sort of quality. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic in terms of they there's a lot of performances going on at once, mm. and then rostered way into the night. So you've got your earliest performance or act will be at like seven a.m. and that's going through to two a.m., which must have been a mammoth task to organise. Imagine all yeah. these people entertain do we know how many people are at woodford we still haven't checked that, i have we? think i might be wrong but somewhere i saw a number that i think was more than hundred thousand wow but that might be throughout the festival not necessarily every day yeah Fair. yeah just like one day visitors sort of not really camping yeah and including volunteers performers and everyone well to all those potentially hundred thousand people uh, that may or may not be listening hello i hope you've been enjoying the festival as much as we have there's a question for you guys. What's your strategy here? Do you guys go to a show and stick it out, or do you go and sort of sample as much as you can in as much in as little time as possible? Yeah, I definitely go to a show and stick it out. I think I I have been seeing though less musical performances, so I think that's a bit easier to do. You've been uh, really into the circus, haven't you? Uh, maybe too into it. I think <laughs> I might actually join one of Brisbane circuses. Um, no, so I look at the whole act and then stick it through. Um, but always at midday, like 12 to 3 p.m., I always kind of try and retreat from the festival because it's just too hot good and point. unbearable. So that's when I'll come up and do some radio stuff. And yourself, Nelly? That's a good strategy. I might start doing it, actually. Have a little midday editing session slash siesta. Slash here at our, <laughs> yes. our van. Snooze, just our snooze. <laughs> secret location. No, we're on the hill. Everyone can come say hi. Yes, um, please do. So I have been sticking out a lot of performances, same as Crazy. So when you see sort of a theatrical or dance or circus performance, obviously it has sort of like a, a you know beginning, middle and an end. Like you, you have to see the whole show to really maybe get everything out of it. Mm. But I, I guess with some of the musical performances, I try to stick it out. But sometimes if I need to get going somewhere or, you know, I get somewhere a bit late, then I might just, you know, see a little bit of it. It does sort of depend as well on the location and sort of like the size of the act. So I was at Lime Cordial yesterday and I was like 10 minutes late and still there was a hundred billion people on their way to the amphitheater. So sometimes you just get stuck in the middle of people and you don't make it to the whole set. And that's just how it is. It is also the case for the next act coming up. Um, all of us, I think, went to Archie Roach um, yes. a couple of days ago, and that was pretty much as big as it was going to get, I feel. Uh, Grand was uh, completely full, and for good reason, because Archie Roach is just incomparable, honestly, as a storyteller, as a musician, just as a, as a human being. Um, I noticed so many people just enraptured whenever he starts 
you know, telling his stories about his childhood, about his family, about some friends and things that have happened. And then he seamlessly goes into music, and it was just amazing. I'll play you guys a couple of songs. Um, I've got A Child Was Born Here and Tell Me Why. Both of those from The Grand here at Woodford 2019.
Archie Roach with Tell Me Why and also A Child Was Born Here. All of that was recorded uh, a couple of days ago here on the Grand Stage at Woodford 2019. You're listening to 4EB 98.1. I'm Julian. Uh, with me in the studio are Nelly and Quasi. And also serendipitously, we've got a uh, nice little person coming up to us uh, just as we're doing the broadcast. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. My name's Mackenzie. I, uh, I'm a... Woodfordian of four years now, and um, I'm playing in the Sessions Bar at the moment, playing violin with um, a few different uh, different sessions that are playing. Awesome, awesome. So is that is that the main reason why you're here? Um, no, I think like Woodford's a bit more of like a pilgrimage where I get to sort of um, see my fellow friends that I've uh, made throughout Queensland and um, get to catch up and also play a bunch of music and take a bunch of opportunities to to, to sort of learn that as well. Fair Beautiful. Enough. And sorry, are you a Sunshine Coast local? I was born in Rockhampton and uh, lived in West End for the last four years. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Now I see why it's a pilgrimage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really good. So yeah. I'm living in Victoria now, so I fly up and. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of opportunities here with music. So fair. Mm-hmm. Is there any uh, who have you seen so far? That's I been did good get to see Archie Roach. Oh, lovely. Um, he had a grand piano on stage with him and a really good fiddle player. Um, who else have I seen? Uh, we saw uh, just various other little things around, um, and and sort of the moving around to some of the bigger bands as well. Um, yeah, it's a it's a different setup this year. Yeah, did you catch uh, Lime Cordial yesterday? I haven't seen Lime Cordial. Uh, I saw them in Melbourne, but oh, nice. I haven't seen them though. No, they were um, sick yesterday. Emma Louise was good. Um, she, yep, she was she was a, a highlight for from a, a local West End girl. Hmm. Yeah, awesome, definitely. awesome. So, any uh, any plans for the rest of the day? Or yes, I have a rehearsal today at uh, eleven o'clock, and then um, I will be playing the Italian tune sessions at uh, seven o'clock tonight, which is with David Desanti. Awesome. And each of your four years that you've been oh, here, yes, yes. have you always been in a musical band? No, actually, I first arrived at Woodford being a patron and um, just watching a lot of the music. And I played violin in the uh, in the school orchestra and since uh, have, have taken up the violin again. And now this year I'm... I, my ticket has been supplied with the with the orchestras that I'm in, which is the youth orchestra for the Folkophonic Orchestra, with Emma Nixon, and yes. um, and so yeah, so it's, it is a great opportunity for younger sort of musicians, especially you know those who who don't want to go along a classical stream yeah. to 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 get more of a better opportunity in in, in a lot of different areas and different cultures. Excellent. And is there more perks when you're performing? I'm not necessarily performing at the moment. Um, the sessions are, are sort of a more of a relaxed um, environment where you know they're in a bar setting, and so um, the perks, the perks that I have by being by by getting the ticket with the Focophonic um, is probably the camping. So 
there's there's many different camping spots around Woodford and um, so we're right in the middle and yeah. I get to meet a lot of other musicians mm-hmm. and spending time with and doing d- different sort of tutorial classes with other violin players around yeah perfect and so you mentioned earlier that you stopped the violin for a little while and then you picked it up again and that's why you're kind of back in the festival if um do you have any advice for our any of our listeners who kind of want to get back into music or anything like that where what resources they can use there's yeah i mean in the cities there's a lot of different resources there's a lot of different communities that are out there that you might not know about especially for like a lot of guitar players who are who are wanting to, you know, um, move further in their skills and 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 get a better grasp of playing their instrument? There's a lot of different communities. You just got to get out there and 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 find what sort of style that suits your your um, identity and, and 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 how you you like that. And that's why I think Woodford does really well because mm. you can find different communities and different styles. And a lot of those will be um, back uh, in a city setting, and you can you can do more of a regular basis and, and sort of take that in. Excellent, yeah. excellent. And my final question: Are you missing Queensland at all now that you're in Victoria? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just saw a beautiful sunset, sunrise, and um, yeah, I do miss the colour. I do miss the hills. Um, Victoria's a lot more flat. Um, and yeah, the people as well. I mean, like it's a, it's a lot more uh, relaxed and a bit more sort of you know probably more true country. I guess um, in Victoria, it's 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 a bit more put on. I guess, um, but in a way, it is really nice because there's again, I, I like the different sort of communities that you can we can find in amongst um, you know, all all that sort of mm. that culture. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. amazing. Well, Mackenzie, I will be seeing you later tonight. Oh, so 7 p.m. at yes. which bar? Uh, this will be at the Cooper's Bar. Cooper's Bar? Yeah. Definitely see it. And if you are out there, listeners, please go check him out. Excellent. Uh, thank you. Yes, yes. Go check him out. Thank you so much, Mackenzie, for your time. Thank and, you very much. Um, are you going back to bed? Oh, back to bed? No we're way. We're going, on a, <laughs> we're going on an adventure. Woodford's all about the adventure. Nice. nice. Yeah. Well, I hope to see you around. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, I'll see you later again. tonight. All the best. See you around. See you later. Guys, have we got something for you? Uh, Lior, uh, Triple Aria Award nominee Lior, uh, was graceful enough to uh, be on stage yesterday and the day before. And he... Honestly, he put on an amazing show, I have to say. Um, he is also a really, really good sport. Such a lovely guy. So awesome to chat to him. So I've got um, a chat with him coming up soon. And just before that, Bells of Montreal, one of his songs. I love this song, I have to say.
was Lior with Bells of Montreal here at the Woodford 2019 broadcast brought to you by 4EB and 4ZZZ as well but uh, Georgia is still in bed as she deserves to be she put on a ripper of a show yesterday I hope you guys tuned in it was amazing um, we're just sorting out a couple of things before Lior comes back I've still got another song of his and I've got an amazing chat with him I got to tell you a bit of a story about him yesterday so I went backstage at the Grand Jav a bit of a bit of a skiz bit of a talk to the man and as I was coming up, uh, there was another bloke who came past me, got his wife and his kids in tow. And he walks up to Lior, shakes his hand, and he says, Man, our day, our first date was 15 years ago at one of your shows. Which one? Um, give me just a second. Um, let's play uh, Building Ships after this. Yes. Um, walks up to Lior and he says, Hey, man, our first date was 15 years ago. Uh, and we stayed together and Leo goes like really and so the kids are yours and he says like yeah yeah the kids are mine I've always been like a real fan of yours you're such an idol of mine you're why I got into music and you could see him like almost tear up you could see him like get really really warm and really happy and I took a picture of the guys together and it was heartwarming it was so cool it just shows me how much like of an upstanding guy Leo actually is it was great but here he is with building ships Distant shore 
When my little sweetheart jumped overboard I threw a line blind into the sea But she was free to drift on
to find you shelter Hey, this is Lior, and you're listening to 4EB 98.1. It's always such a pleasure coming here. It's, uh, I can't remember if it's my sixth or seventh time, but uh, it always feels like home of sorts, driving through the gates of Woodford. I'm here with Aria Award-nominated singer-songwriter Lior. It's lovely to have you here. Thanks, good to be here. You've played at Woodford before several times, is that right? Yeah, it's sixth or seventh time now. Yeah. Wow. How does this year measure up to all the other ones? Well, I've actually never um, played early on in the festival, so, you know, there's this feeling of everything building. You know, usually I come later in the festival when it's all going, so it's kind of nice to see it all, all the wheels set in motion, and, um, yeah, it's not as hot this year, which is good. That is good. That is good. After playing so many shows overseas in the past couple of years, you're coming home to roost to Australia, so to say. How does the Australian audience measure up? Oh, look, you know, having grown up here, there's a, there's a really uh, beautiful history and familiarity, so it's, there's always a sense of sense of coming home you know yeah that's great so like do they react differently here sort of having like a homegrown like artist or i don't think it's so much a cultural difference as it is a uh, a one of familiarity you know there's um pockets of the world where people are familiar with the music and um yeah that just breeds i guess a more engaged kind of interaction um yeah i i you know i find audiences don't differ that much around the world fair fair you mentioned on stage a little side project that you're doing with your backing singer can you tell me a bit more about that or is that still top secret it's not top secret it's just in the um infant stages Domini uh forster her name is she's a beautiful songwriter and you know, there's just a certain synergy that we feel when we sing and we um thought we'd explore it to the fullest and do a sort of simon and garfunkel project if you like which is male and female um so hoping to we've written a few songs and hoping to have some sort of release next year Amazing. You were born in Israel and raised in Israel as well, I suppose, until yeah. you were 10. Is that correct? That's right. Do you reckon that influences how people receive you here? Do you reckon that sort of heritage plays into it? Um, not really. I mean, I think uh, musically speaking, Israel is a really interesting melting pot because it sort of sits you know, nestled between, you know, the, the Western world and the Arab world. So uh, growing up, I was um, having influences from both both musical worlds so I think that really shaped songs like Bedouin Song and that early sound of mine which I think people found interesting and engaging here. I heard a little bit of sort of that influence in your earlier songs that you were playing do you still try and like come back to those days? Yeah it, it finds its way once in a while but it's it's not something that I want to be the core mm. sort of thread of my music but it's certainly something that always kind of rears its head and comes to visit me now and then. Right. You sound a little bit busy, but what are your plans for the rest of the festival? Oh, uh, this year I have to scoot, unfortunately. So usually I stick around and enjoy it, but this year I have to go. So with, with great sadness, I love Woodford. That's a shame. That's a shame. Thank you so much. That was Lior. Isn't he amazing, Quasi? An amazing soul. Definitely. I love the synergy energy he was speaking about. <laughs> yeah, no, like... I, I enjoy sort of the, the interplay of cultures, and he's really like just an upstanding guy. I mean, I told you guys the story before. Um, just such a such a cool such a cool guy. Yeah, Give did you him... say he's um, Israeli? Like, yes, yes, Israel? he's from Israel. Um, he now lives in Melbourne, as uh, you know, most people with uh, with musical common sense do. Apparently, mm. um, I've been told. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's so great. Uh, give him a warm Woodfordian welcome and a warm Woodfordian goodbye because he's sadly on his way back home. 
But that's fine. You know, he's got wife and kids. He'll be he'll be all right. He's got things to take care of. Lucky for some. Lucky yeah. for some. Yes. Um, we've got some really really interesting stuff here at the uh, 2019 Woodford Broadcast this fine Monday morning. It's it's Monday. I think that's that's why that's why our playlist was was mucking up. That's why, you know, things are the way they are. It's Monday. I'll just blame <laughs> it on that. Um, we've got. The one and only, I still can't believe this happened yesterday. We've got the one and only Dr. Carl coming up. Nelly had a chat with him. That was something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. So me and Quasi um, got the chance to go talk to Dr. Carl yesterday. And I think both of us had a little fangirl moment there. And um, the guy just has so much information. He's so knowledgeable. It's it's really incredible. And um, I can you know tell you guys now if, if anyone you know most people probably know him from you know some of his media work he's a you know science educator he's just like that in person he will just you ask him a question and he goes on a roll he finds a story and he finds a way to explain it to you in a way that makes sense it's incredible mm. and I also appreciate how given that he's so prolific how accessible he is like he's always open for a chat um, explaining people more about science which I think is a great quality yeah, very down to earth and, and very friendly and just, you know, happy to talk, happy to answer any questions. I've been yeah. loving his, his Twitter antics of like, he's a, he, he, honestly, science communicators need to step up like that. And I think it's necessary. I think it's valuable. And how about we listen to the interview? It's yeah. really, really good. I can't wait. I haven't heard it yet, actually. So this is going to be a first for me and for you guys. So I hope you enjoy it. Nelly's hard work. I'm here with an Australian science icon, probably Australia's most famous science educator. It's Dr. Carl. Hello, Dr. Carl. Hi, Dr. Nelly. Lovely to talk with you. You're too kind. I'm not worthy, but thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. So to start off with, is it your first time at Woodford? Uh, this is my uh, third year, 16, 17, 18, 19, fourth year here. Lovely. And how are you enjoying the festival? The climate is much better this year. Um, it's not too hot, not too cold. We've had a little bit of sprinkling of rain at night. And as always, the entertainment acts are amazing. I'd love seeing stuff I've never known before, never seen before. Totally surprising. You come around a corner and you have a good time. Agreed. Definitely agreed. And um, Dr. Carl, you have brought science to the wider Australian community. You've made it very accessible for people and probably sparked a lot of people's interest in science. So I wanted to ask you, what first sparked your interest in science? Um, the fact that I had questions and the best way to get answers to those questions was science. The sky is blue, but why isn't it pink? Why isn't it yellow? And science gives you the answer to that and many other things. It turns out that science is a good way to not get fooled to get closer to reality whatever reality is so i guess in today's world we are surrounded by things that science has brought us so we have mobile phones you know we have refrigerators we have cars and we can just buy them and we can get by in our lives without really having to do science so why is it important for people to still understand science if you don't understand science you can be fooled and it turns out, for example, with climate change and the people who accept the science and who de deny the science, they each have roughly the same amount of knowledge about the real climate science, which is close to zero. The difference is that the acceptors of the science say, well, I'm not an expert in anything. I'll just accept what the scientists say. And mo most of the time, that's a pretty darn good way to go. Whereas the climate denialists, out of all of the thousands of sciences that exist on Earth, such as evolutionary biology, histology, geology, metallurgy, aeronautics, there's only one science they reckon is totally wrong and that's climate science. And if you go through it, the denialists are wrong. In fact, the skeptic is a wrong name for these people because a skeptic is somebody who has weighed up the evidence and found it uh, in some way wanting. These people have access to the evidence. It's just that they don't look at, look at the uh, evidence properly, so they're gullible. 
I call them gullibilists rather than skeptics. Yeah, and I think all of us, I would say people our age, most of us have been brought up hearing about climate change all our lives. I certainly have, but we still have a lot of people in our lives who do deny climate change, who don't believe in it, they don't want to hear about it, they say it's a hoax. So what would be your advice for how to talk to those people, how to stay sane talking to them and how to maybe convince them that climate change is real? You in most cases you cannot um, they've already made their mind up so in most cases what we believe is purely a product of our culture so if you're brought up in religion a b or c you believe that god a b or c is the right gods and all the other ones are wrong and same it goes with political affiliation and in many cases it then runs down into what sort of tv so rather than look up the reviews of what tv to buy uh, if three of your friends like this brand of tv or phone or computer, you'll go with that and ignore the overall evidence. So that's where science comes in to actually let you evaluate the evidence properly. We're heading into a strange world where for most people, their highest mechanical skill is being able to recharge their mobile device. Can they repair it? No. Can they solve it? No. Can they change the tyre on a car? Do they know the right way to use a screwdriver or a spanner? Do they know why on a spanner the jaws are offset 15 degrees? Or how you use a number one rather than number two or a number three blade on a screwdriver? So we're going through a transition stage where these things are not necessary and then that's different uh, knowing science from knowing engineering. If you don't know science, you'll get fooled by people who'll tell you lies. Like, for example, that um, in diet land, uh, they'll tell you lies that A2 milk is going to cure sunstroke, syphilis, and varicose veins. They're lying. Or that the alkaline diet is the only way to get healthy. They're lying. Or that the uh, that gluten is evil. They're lying. The only way to get any access to any sort of truth is knowing science, and that's why science is important. So what would you do if you were having a discussion with someone, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's just someone you came across at a dinner party who is denying climate change? How would you go on about dealing with that person? Uh, I ask questions to try and find out uh, what they believe and why. And uh, uh, rather than trying to tell them what the science really is, just try to find out why. And so it turns out that there's... Uh, um, one politician in Parliament, who Malcolm Roberts, and he believes his basis on uh, climate change comes as follows. He believes that the United Nations secretly wants to take over all the countries in the world. And therefore, they need an army. And to raise this army, they need money. And so they've put forward this lie about climate change so they can get a carbon tax off every country in the world so they can get an army. That's his science. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Hi, Dr. Cole. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. I think you've really raised important points today. Um, you mentioned earlier about the benefits of knowing science and learning science and what it can offer our society. I kind of wanted to gauge with you what so there is a long criticism that science has maybe an inclusivity problem so people whose parents didn't study science for example or people in certain areas or demographics um, won't be won't study science at a higher level um, like higher tertiary education level for example how do you think that we can bridge those gaps and include more people in science um, well firstly you'll find the situation happens with science or poetry or being a plumber you tend to follow the family line. Um, how can you bridge the gaps? The answer is education. If we have a free, high-quality education system, then that gives people so much more empowerment to break the, loose the bonds that hold them in place and do anything they want. In my case, um, having come from a time when the Australian government thought that uh, education was a worthwhile investment in the future, as a result, I have 28 years of education for free, including 16 years at university for free. Thank you, citizens of Australia.
When I think of peer-reviewed journals, I often associate that with academia and signing up to journals and paying money. Do you think it's financially accessible for people who want to study science in their self-paced method or read more on what is happening? Do you think it's yeah accessible, cheap or affordable? Uh, complicated. Um, firstly, my journal's bill is $10,000 a year. I'm prepared to pay $30 for a piece of information uh, if I need it. Um, not everybody has the luxury of being able to afford $30 over and over and again. So one of the journals, Nature, that's uh, $700 a year. Aviation Week and Space Technology, that's $700 a year. And so it goes. They just build up really quickly. So that then ties into another problem, which is that we've moved away from a democracy to a plutocracy. Uh, plutocracy being uh, control of the government by the wealthy for the wealthy. And so if you look at America from 1972 to 2016, the average wage went up by 6%, uh, corrected for inflation, whereas education, housing and medical costs went through the roof. So there you have a plutocracy, and as another example of that, uh, if you look at the Oxfam reports, in the year 2010, to have the same wealth as the bottom poorest half of the planet, 3.5 billion people, in 2010 took 343 billionaires. Since then, there's been a massive flow of money upwards, and now it only takes 26. So it's not the money's trickling down, it's going up. So if people are poorer and working harder, that means that they're less able to have the time and the money to go and trace down, track down the real information. So you just get the first one that pops up on your Google search and accept it as being true because you saw it on a screen, so therefore it must be true. Uh, whereas if you saw it written on a bit of paper by some drunk person covered in vomit with the dogs licking at their sores who hand you a bit of torn bloody paper, you wouldn't believe it. But if the same words are written on a computer screen, oh, it must be true. So you need to develop an um, appreciation of how to find the truth, uh, critical thinking. This is not a new problem. It goes way back. Uh, in 1666, we had the Great Fire of London. Destroyed the housing of 80% of the population of Greater London. The fires were so hot, powered by the wind, that the wood-powered fire melted steel. That's really hot. Not just iron, but steel. And the steel chains of ships just melted and ran like butter. And, um, of course, they had to blame somebody. So they blamed somebody who was obviously guilty because they were French, uh, they were at war with France, and a Protestant, uh, they were Catholic, uh, and they were obviously guilty because England was um, at war with France and it was a Protestant country. And this person confessed, confessed to uh, lighting the fire in Westminster. And they were just about to be killed when their defence lawyer pointed out that the fires never reached Westminster at all. Westminster was not affected by the fires. So they got this guy back in, this French Catholic person, and convinced him to come up with a different confession, and he confessed to having uh, lit the fires and start off the fires by throwing fire grenades through the windows of the bakery shop in Pudding Lane where the fire really started. Now, there were a few problems with this. Uh, firstly, he was born with shoulder dystocia. He had a difficult birth and he couldn't throw anything. His shoulders were ruined. Um, number two, the uh, bakery shop did not have any windows. The front glass was very expensive and there were only open awnings on the side. Um, thirdly, a ship's captain stood up in court, an English ship's captain, and testified that he was on this English ship in the middle of the English Channel when the fire started. But, number one, he was French. Number two, he was Catholic. Number three, uh, on the jury of 12 people, three of them 
were the people from the bakery in Pudding Lane where the fire started, so of course he was convicted. So this fake news is nothing new. It's been around for ages. Do you see a way for us to fix this? And, and you also alluded to the economic inequality and things like education and health becoming inaccessible to people. So how do we fix all this? Um, that's very easy. Uh, in 1967, Chairman Mao said, political power grows out of the barrel of the gun, which is true in many cases, but unfortunately it leads to lots of dead people, which is a very, very, very bad thing. In many countries, power grows out of the parliament. And there's your answer. Become a politician. Boot them out. Nothing personal. They're not taking care of Australia or your future. Uh, they're wasting the money. They're not concentrating on what they should be. Nothing personal, just vote them out of power. If you vote for somebody who doesn't do what you want, you're wasting your vote. So either run for politics or support somebody who can do what you want. And it's probably a good education just to join uh, the volunteer brigade of any political party, doesn't matter which one, uh, during the build-up to an election and start getting education in politics. Uh, that's where the power is. Listeners, you heard it from Dr. Carl, run for politics, that's your answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of your time, we don't want to take up too much of it, but in the style of your podcast, I have a science question that I want to ask you. So at Radio 4EB, we play a lot of music in our ethnic programs, we play a lot of, play a lot of music from our home countries. And I was wondering, why does music make us emotional? For example, in movies, in advertisements, music is used to evoke emotions. So why why is that uh number one we don't know we do number two we do have an answer but it's from the field called evolutionary biology which comes with, up with a whole lot of nice theories uh which are mostly not provable right now number three here comes a theory language came to us via music so the rhythm, rhythmic beating was a key that then got language going. Language is complex. So recently we had a dog die that had the largest vocabulary of any dog known. It knew a thousand words. That's astonishing because you can get by in the English language with only 800. So they'd lay out a whole bunch of household items in the backyard and they'd say, dog, get the blue hat. And it would go past the red, orange, yellow, green and indigo hat and go for the blue hat. And a hat, not a t-shirt. Um, chickens have a vocabulary of about 20 words. So this word here, that word means intruder approaching at ground level, which is probably you or me bringing some scraps for them to eat, which is quite different from the word that means intruder approaching from the air, which could be an eagle wanting to kill you. So we've had this evolution of language over a long period of time, and the current theory is that music was part of the pathway that helped us become stronger. I mean, look at the human animal as a fighting animal. My fingernails are pathetic claws. My teeth are nowhere near as good as a dog's teeth, which can rip your neck out. Uh, I can't run very fast. My skin bleeds if I run against a barbed wire fence or some rose bushes. Um, my sense of vision and hearing and smells. But in a group, we are powerful. And so music gets animals and humans in groups. So you look at the primates, and they'll often make rhythmic noises, and they come together. So we think that it was because music was one of the beginners of human language that's still in there at a very low, basic, primitive level, like smell. 
you might, you've probably had the emotion where uh, smell of, say, your mother's baby powder in the shoes or something uh, suddenly brings back a whole lot of emotions. And that's because smell is wired into the really primeval sense. That's the best theory we've got. I'm sorry. It's only a theory. It could be 100% wrong. Uh, sorry, hypothesis. Theory, I use the wrong word. A theory is a full and complete explanation. So it's not a theory, it's a hypothesis. Sorry to tell you a little lie there. I apologise. That's all right. And I'm, I'm happy with the explanation. Hopefully one day we'll know for sure what it is. I'm definitely curious about that. And thank you so much again, Dr. Carl, for agreeing to do this interview with us at 4EB. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your festival. How can you not enjoy it? There's all these wonderful things to discover every time you come around a corner. Thank you. <laughs> That was amazing, Nelly. Uh, and crazy, actually. You asked a couple of questions as well. I didn't Thank give you, you credit Julian. before. You my bad. Yeah. My bad. My bad. But no, it's so cool. Like the fact that Dr. Carl was, was willing to just, you know, come and have a chat. And such a long chat as well. Like you, you guys went into life and the universe and everything. Like it was, it was amazing. Honestly, mm. great work. Yeah, I think I really appreciate his um, willingness and his attempts to share science with the world. I think science is very much a complex thing that a lot of people don't understand and it's very hard to get your foot into science and mm. like to learn more about it. So I really appreciate the work that he does with the ABC at his university. Yeah, amazing guy. That's yeah. where, yeah, exactly. That's where science communicators come in, really. It's it's to spark discussion. We were having a really mm. animated discussion while it was playing, so it shows it works. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because science is, like, it can seem inaccessible and complex sometimes. If it can seem, you know, academic. If you haven't studied it, you can feel like, oh, like, what am, how am I going to understand it? But then, actually, it is just really fascinating, and I love what he said, how for him it's just about, you know, having questions and then finding the answers to those questions. Mm. So, yeah, like, for all of us, even if we're not you know so um scientifically you know educated in the academia it's worth it to explore mm, mm. well the one thing to take away from all of that is be curious and don't be afraid of being curious i feel you know seek, yeah. seek out knowledge and and be skeptical about things you know if there's something you don't understand go and read about it ask some people you know like get your own opinion don't just listen to you know what some some random yahoo has to say i feel that that's it's it's important and i think he's doing great work and it's amazing that he's here and he's um performing or he's speaking today isn't he he is he is at around noon i think yes and i'm hoping to go see him um in his element <laughs> and also get a sneaky photo with him that'd be amazing very That'd be fan so crushed cool. yeah Right, um, it's currently uh, almost almost 7am on this uh, lovely, lovely Monday morning. You're listening to Radio 4EB, the um, Woodford 2019 broadcast. Wake up at Woodford, I feel we're sort of woken up now. It's been an hour. It normally takes a little bit of like a little bit of time to get us into the groove. Coffee is it's on its way. I can see the saucepan bubbling in the distance. That is uh, always good. And Speak I, for yourself, Julian. I'm always in the groove. I do. I do. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Lies. How about when we were driving up here in the morning? That's fair. But when I hit the van. How about when yes, you were in your pajamas? True. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to come up here in your jammies. It's radio. Yeah. Well, nobody can see you. Oh, and Bardo's taking videos. Yes, well. <laughs> Shout out to Bardo, by the way. He's still doing great work. Uh, it's amazing that he's always awake, you know, doing his, his documentarian stuff. If you're if you're keen on on visuals, seeing what we look like, seeing how we're in our element, um, there will be plenty of video coming up on well, I suppose the Four EB website, a bit of Instagram, a bit on Facebook. Um, we'll be putting together like a little bit of a spot to maybe share with the lovely folks at Woodford and and get us onto the festival grounds in a bit more of a prominent position next year and for the years to come because that's a bit of a dream of ours. We love the hilltop here. Don't get me wrong, it's amazing. 
to see the sunset and sunrise. But at the same time, we do want to be amongst you guys. We want to make it much easier for people like Mackenzie to come along and, yeah, sit down, have a chat, spin a bit of a yarn, plug their bands. Um, always good, you know. That way we don't have to go and do it. And, um, yeah, you know, thank you to the Maori group again for uh, generously giving us the time. And uh, also thank you for the Oxygen program for doing the same. You're listening to 4EB. I've got something really, really special for you. She's more of a Triple J gal, but I uh, personally really enjoy her. Tia Costello um, just got the 2019 Queensland Music Awards Album of the Year for her album Thick Skin. And she's been making waves. Her single Strangers clocked up. 8 million something views on Spotify, which for a gal from Mackay and Brisbane is holy hell. That is so cool. She is amazing to chat to, and she's amazing on stage as well. Uh, she'll tell you a little bit about herself. It's her first time playing Woodford. Um, I've got her here with Vague Utopia, Strangers, and the thing that she became really, really famous for, We Are The People, the Like A Version cover of Empire of the Sun. Take it away, Tia Gastello. Thank you guys for coming and watching us. Um, this is our first time playing at Woodford and you guys are so beautiful, so thank you again for coming and watching.
Diego Stello and you're listening to 4EB 98.1. December 
I'm here with Queensland Music Award Album of the Year 2019, Tia Gostello. Hi, Tia. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. What about yourself? I'm really good, thanks. Awesome, awesome. It's your first time performing at Woodford, we just heard, so you're already on one of the big stages, you're already on the grand. How's it feel? It feels really cool. I remember coming to Woodford maybe oh, four or five years ago with my parents, and I remember sitting on the hill, like, watching bands play, and, like, it's so cool okay. to, like, play here for the first time ever, so... Yeah, I loved it. The crowd was amazing. I'm like, I was so happy they all got up to dance. It was really, lo- really lovely. I saw that as well. Like, <laughs> you, you seem to seem to get something done with the young people. Yeah, it's great. So, Thick Skin, your debut album, it really blew up last year and this year as well, I suppose. Strangers just clocked eight million hits on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Has, do you reckon that success has sort of like changed the way you make music or you perform music? Um, I don't think so. I think, like that song, I had a strong gut feeling about it. Like, I had. I, I just absolutely loved it from the moment that I wrote it and I kind of had to convince my management and be like this has to be like a single like it deserves to be um, and I honestly think it's just because it was just so truthful and honest so you've been making music since a really young age they said seven was that right yeah wow wow so it's playing Woodford like is a like a long-standing dream you said you've been here for a couple of years so well yeah I've only been like to Woodford once but like when I came here I'm like it'd be the most amazing thing ever to like play like it'd be so great so it's really really cool to come back to festivals like this and actually get to play them nice what do your friends and family back in Mackay think of your success they love it my like my family especially they're so supportive um they've been like running around Queensland with me from like 12 years old taking me to country music festivals to make sure like I could do this as a career so um yeah they're so supportive and I couldn't be any more grateful for that are they here with you today no they're not <laughs> oh what a shame they couldn't be. to what extent does your I, I guess I'll say cultural heritage so being indigenous being from country Queensland to what extent does that influence your music um I get asked this question a lot um <laughs> I was I actually grew up in a pretty like white privileged family um it goes back pretty far in my family but like in saying that the only real indigenous cultural um experiences that i have was when i lived on a island in the northern territory called Groot island and my mum worked for the land council there it was an indigenous island so like that's pretty much like the only kind of influence that i've had um from the like indigenous people but um yeah my family's from the cape york and i'd love to go up there one day and learn about it i think it's just super interesting and um i kind of don't want to get like let that be lost fair fair and then coming to the like the the country queensland influence is that like does that come across because you're saying you used to go to country festivals but you're making i suppose like more straight poppy (laughs) stuff now so um my style has definitely evolved um my parents always listened to country music when i was little so it's kind of like the only thing that i was really brought up on like i didn't even know who like led zeppelin and stuff were until like a couple of years ago you know um so yeah that that was kind of like the only thing that i felt like I could do because I didn't really know anything else and um, when we moved to Mackay that was really the only avenue that we knew around like that I could go out and play um, so I did that until I was about 12 and then I started playing in pubs um, on the weekend so that was my job all throughout high school um, and then I moved to Brisbane and we just kept going. Fair, fair. What's next after your latest single which came out in July is that right? Yeah, it is. Um, I literally just finished recording my second album. Um, so hopefully there will be a couple of singles at the start of next year. And then the album comes out. And then a tour. I'm going to America in March, which will be amazing. Um, but yeah. Any plans for the rest of Woodford or maybe Woodford again next year? Uh, I would love to come back next year. I am flying back to Mackay tomorrow, so I can't stick around. Um, but yeah, I would definitely love to come back. 
Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Tia Gastello. Ah, uh, yes, that was Tia Gastello. How amazing was she? She's like super genuine in person as well. She was like, oh, let's sit down, let's, you know, have a bit of a chat, a bit of a coffee, and yeah, just. So good, so good. I cut the parts of the coffee out just to... That's so nice, though, yeah. when you can actually take a bit of time. Like, I know a lot of the artists and performers talk us here. They're very busy, which is mm. understandable. But it's just so nice when you can actually sit down and have a bit of a longer talk and, and get to, like, some more deeper questions as well and not just the um, the basic, you know... Yeah, how are you feeling? How are you Woodford, feeling? Like, yeah. How do you like Woodford, you know? Do you get some personal things as well exactly or some really in-depth ones like the one with uh, dr carl yeah. Was, yeah yeah like you you, you it's, it's always so cool when you get to chat we'll have something coming up with uh you had a chat with uh, uncle noel our very own uncle noel oh yeah and um that's that's a bit longer as well which is for its best because he really deserves it and i've been told he may or may not be listening in so hello uncle noel thank you so much for everything you do here i'm i'm so grateful to be on jinnabara land and to be broadcasting from beautiful woodfordia thank you Thank yes, you. I hope he's listening. He did say that he might tune in for the show. Apparently, he wakes up quite early, so hopefully, hopefully he's listening. And the interview is coming up later on in the show. It will be. It will be. You are listening to 4 eb ninety eight point one FM. Maybe you're also listening on Global On Demand. We have the iHeart Radio app if that's the way you want to listen to us. And we also recently got all the previous episodes of Wake Up at Woodfordia on Spotify. So if Spotify is your preferred streaming service of choice, it is for me. Uh, definitely go and give that a look. Wake Up at Woodfordia. And Wake Up we certainly have. Uh, we have had a bit of coffee. And we'll be here for a little bit longer, but Kwesi's got something in the pipeline for us now. Tell us a bit about it, Kwesi. Yeah, so um, in Woodford, ran into 4EB's own Helen. Now, she is part of the Russian and... Moldovan group, I think. No, I no? believe Ukrainian. Um, she does explain. Romanian, sorry. So, Russian and Romanian group um, with our radio station. And she was performing the violins with um, her friend, Kim. Um, so, he's an Australian. And uh, her, daughter, um, her daughter, Maria... And, um, yeah, it's basically, she finds that music is a great way to keep her culture alive, especially with a second-generation Australian migrant, um, which I thought was really cool. So, yeah, please listen up. Love me some fiddle. Let's hear it.
Hello, so I'm Kwesi and I'm here with Helen, Kim and Helen's daughter Maria. Hello guys. Hello. Hello, hello. So the three have just performed some Romanian violins, correct? Mold Moldovian violins, but we do play Romanian music, Russian, Ukrainian, Gypsy, Hungarian, everything. Excellent. And so you said earlier on the stage that Helen, you are Romanian and Kim, you are Australian. So how did you guys meet each other? Uh, we met in Harvey Bay when I was playing harp at an RSL and that was many years ago. And, um, and then there was another, um, I, I, was, I needed the violins to do a wedding in Noosa. So I asked Helen to come and play and uh, that's how we sort of joined together. And, and then um, since then, Helen's played a lot of solo violin concertos for my uh, festivals that I put on and events that I put on. And so how did you both find yourself here at Woodford today? Um, well, I know Pat and Sim who run Folklorica because I do other work for them. And I thought Moldovian violins would be a really fun thing for them to experience. And, and they agreed. So we came along today and that's, that's how it worked out. Yeah. Me and Kim, we played lots of classical music. Um, Kim is a singer as well. He is a founder of the Ten Tenors. So he said, oh, I want to play violin too. And I said, how about let play something from my home country and I brought some folders and I said let's try this let's try that and he goes oh sounds great let's let's make it let's do this festival let's do that festival and yeah Kim invited me here and that's how I ended up here and I'm very thankful for that and excellent Helen as one of our own I can see that you have your daughter here so how did you kind of introduce or pass on the traditions to your daughter I think it's very important to maintain our Romanian language and pass the, the language and the dances and the music and all this information to our children and maria this is your third time performing at whitford yes yes and how do you find it well it's it's easy dancing but it's sometimes hard when i sing because i have to remember the words but it was okay it was good today you did an amazing job well done and it looks so stunning and just before I let you guys go off with the rest of the festival, I wanted to ask, we can see here that there's a bit of cross-pollination happening. So Kim is Australian and Helen, you're Romanian. So what advice do you have for Australians to share culture overseas and then vice versa for those from overseas sharing culture to Australians? Music is a universal language and let, let the music connect you. So come more often to the festival and make more friendship to if you see a migrant person and ask them do you play an instrument do you dance what do you do let's do this let's do that and that's how it all starts maybe kim has another opinion no, that's that's so true i i met a turkish guy um uh, recently or a few years ago actually and then i needed a favor from an australian guy who was married to a turkish woman and so i decided to learn a turkish piece that he taught me on the spot and then i sang it and recorded it and sent it to this other guy and then i got the favor done because <laughs> you know i was i was reminding people of their culture and, and engaging and it's a beautiful thing to do and have you always been um, interested in overseas cultures here in Australia? Yeah, I think you have to because there's no real Australian culture. You know, there's that joke, how do you get more culture into an Australian? Get him to eat some yogurt. So, you know, um, there's no real culture in Australia. So everything comes from overseas in a way, unless you're looking at indigenous culture, which is probably one of the, is the longest cultural tradition in Australia, in the world, actually. And um, if um, 
I would like to share with the listeners of 4EBFM um, a song, a Romanian song, if you want to hear that. Um, I, as soon as I saw your shirt, I got excited because I'm a volunteer for um, a Russian and Romanian group there. I'm a panel operator. So I thought maybe they want to hear that, a song. La portiță la Chiorghiță le-a nofa La portiță la Chiorghiță le-a nofa La portiță la Chiorghiță se certau două mândruță Ia la 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 lai, la 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 lai, la lai 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 la Thank you so much ladies and thank you Kim for the interview today Thank you very much Claire I hope you all enjoyed the rest of the festival and it was wonderful listening to the three of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I adore that last bit. That was that was so precious. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Especially um especially for us at the radio station and it's always good to see one of our owns out there. Mm. Um yeah, just sharing their cultures because that's what we love to do at the radio station. It's good to see it outside of um our context. Yeah. Uh, and it's just great to see 4EB people here, you know, in, in their personal pursuits. Mm. You know, Rima was here yesterday. Um, veterans of the Wake Up Before the Broadcast probably recognize Rima. She used to I do a bit that. of stuff here. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just great seeing 4EB people all mm. over the place. I think there's definitely an alignment with the type of people who come to Woodford and probably the type of people who, you know, volunteer at stations like 4EB because it is that, you know, wanting to be involved in your community and having a passion for, you know, media arts culture all that stuff so it's definitely a good good mix mm. appears to both crowds so for mm. a listeners if you haven't come this year maybe consider next year mm. yes and uh, also if you haven't done so yet consider becoming a member of 4 eb we uh, are pretty much always looking for lovely people be it to help out around the station to become one of our broadcasters or to just you know shout us a bit of money and uh, continue supporting lovely community broadcasting because We've been around for quite a while and we aspire to be around for many, many more years to come. And your generous, generous help can make things like this happen. I don't mean send us to Woodford to get drunk. I mean, actually, you know, like proper, proper broadcasting, proper, um, proper interviews, good stuff like what you just heard and actually what you're about to hear now. I've got it in my system as title this please because guess what I haven't titled it yet but it's uh, another song by Danny Whittacombe and Triconomy recorded by our lovely Bruce who I've been told is just on his way here so enjoy this and then afterwards we've got a little bit more chatting with Harry James Angus of the Cat Empire
that was Danny Whittingham and Trichotomy with two songs that I have yet to title, but I hope you enjoyed them anyway. I will uh, get straight on to that. My bad. You're listening to 4EB Wake Up at Woodfordia. It is currently 7.36. Just a lovely morning today. I do see a couple of clouds gathering up on the horizon, so I hope it won't rain on our parade or uh, rain on our lovely van. But, I mean, we're sitting in here. We're laughing. It's Mm. more the other people that I'm concerned about. All right, Julian, Nelly, I want to ask a very controversial question on air. Go for it. Do you, have you guys picked a favorite act that you've seen so far? That's that a tough one. Mm, it's a really tough one. I know, I know. But. Especially because I don't know how I could compare the different arts. Mm. Because, you know, how do you compare, like, an amazing musical performance to, like, a great cabaret or mm. theatre performance? Yeah. Look, that's probably fair. I've spent most of my time in the circus, so... <laughs> maybe... So do tell us, what's what's your favourite act? Have you picked one? Oh, I have. Okay, it's not as fun when it's um, flipped around on me. <laughs> um, Only no. by myself. I think the circus, as a genre at Woodford, has been my favourite thus far. Give them all. I think every um, act that I've seen has been incredibly talented. I'm not used to seeing people move their bodies in that way and um, prancing around screen, like stage so much. So I think it's visually just stunning, also music-wise. And I think there's a great sense of showmanship in their art. So it's amazing if you're here, when you go down to the circus tent, it could be five minutes before a show and the tent is like two-thirds full. And then by five minutes into the show, it is completely full, like overpacked even. Mm. Um, and the amount, like how they successfully call people um, to come gather. And yeah, I'm a big fan of everything they do. Yeah, I like it. I like it if you've come into your own with the circus. It's yeah. Been, it's I, been refreshing hearing from it because I haven't managed to really come along except for like, that little bit of uh, club briefs. Maybe yeah. tonight. They're still performing tonight, Julian. Oh, so well, I'm going to head over. I'm definitely seeing the club briefs tonight. That's They've been on my to-do list. And Yuck Circus. Yes. Yeah, so I need to spend more time in the circus. Um, I'd be <laughs> focusing a bit more on the talks mm-hmm. and the music. Um, See, the earlier circuses, so I went to one that was minus the monkey. And the good thing about the daytime circus is that it features a, m- a lot more young audi- like young youth acts. So you see actual children mm. up there performing, which I think is super cool. I haven't really seen that many children on stage here, um, but it could just be where I'm at. I've only seen Helen's daughter from 4EB. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great opportunity for them to, you know, get that experience of performing, you know, to maybe evolve or like grow into a full circus artist one day. Mm. It's a great place to practice that because ah. the, the crowd is so friendly. Like you don't get a friendly crowd. Yeah. Like and at this yeah. stage manager was saying, like for the circus, the stage manager was saying um, a couple of days ago that Woodford is a big part of promoting. Because again, as, yeah, sec- as Brisbane sure. being a big hub for circus acts then um, Woodford is seen as a place where they have a wider audience to show their art and to get more members. So really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 interesting sort of, you know, you're, you're getting into the talks, you're getting into the circus. I've been more focused on music personally, just because it's, it's, it's a bit of a passion of mine. I do, I do like to see some of the talks, but talks are more sort of like the thing where I'm like, oh, if I'm not feeling too well, I'll, I might skip out on it. Whereas uh, music... Um, you know, if if there's music playing, I'll go along. So, uh, like, I've been playing you a couple of sets already. I played you a bit of Tia Costello, I played a bit of Lior, and um, of course, the lovely Archie Roach. I can't, I can't pick 
honestly. I think it's still too early because I, on my on my radar today, I've got the brother brothers who I've heard Me yesterday. Too. I've heard yesterday while I was having a bit of food. Actually, a uh, bit of a plug. Go to Raijin Japanese Cuisine just right across from Luna. They are amazing. <laughs> um, I was having food there and the brother brothers came on and um, just immediately sympathetic and amazing music. And I'm definitely, definitely going to see them. They are playing Halcyon tonight at 6.10. It's interesting that you say that it's too early to pick because I think the further we go into the festival, the harder it is to choose well, a favorite oh, yeah. act of Woodford. Yeah, and I think for me, it keeps changing. You know, I mm. think that the ones that I saw sort of more recently have an advantage because honestly, I love so many of these acts that I've seen. But then, then I see something else and the last one I saw is fresh on my mind and I'm really excited about. So, for example, um, Harry James Angus, mm. he's... Um, performance was really really good loved it high energy you know big crowd dancing it was just really fun so I really loved that but then also I've seen other um, performances earlier on in the festival that I was I remember that I was just as excited about but just because this one's fresh in my mind so currently I would say that was the best musical performance I've seen that's that's sort of that's why I was saying it's a bit early because I never know what will sweep me away next like I went to Lime Cordial yesterday as I said and honestly blown away by how many people turned up like you know the welcome ceremony when we were all there and it was yep. full it was that full mm. no joke people were out and dancing and swinging and having a great time and it was i don't know it was magical like mm. i didn't expect it to draw like such a crowd and such a young crowd as well like everyone was into it everyone was loving it the signing afterwards as well because i was trying to get it into it with the lads signing people just queuing up for miles and miles just to have a, a bit of a chat with the guys a bit of a photo and it, it showed me like another side of 4EB, uh, 4EB, wow, it is early. It showed me another side of Woodford mm -hmm. um, that just, yeah, honestly, like that's, I, I can't pick yet. It's too early. It's I do early. I do have to say I really love um, the evening shows at Woodford. Like I absolutely in love. I really um, enjoy how the atmosphere changes and transforms mm. into something new compared to the daytime acts um, to the evening. I really commend it. But yeah i think i do have a favorite still but i'll take your advice on board and see if it changes tomorrow yeah yeah it's um well i'm i'm not i'm not sure what do you have what do you have on your radar today i've got um Karelpa reach as well i've we've played a little bit of them i'm fairly sure and alex has given me a, a head side and nod so they are really really good so that's you know i never know maybe they're going to be like my next big act of the year uh, mm. yeah, i'm always always surprised i mean leo absolutely blew me away i hadn't you know sort of interfaced with him much before but now i'm, I'm on board i bought two of his albums i've got them in the tent they're mm. ripper um well next up you know i've, I've got you know, lee sales today i bet is still on um it's been made a bit more challenging but lee sales is going to chat to michael gadinsky of mushroom records 2 30 p.m at luna so that might honestly be the standard talk of the year for me i i, I never know i never know <laughs> um well you keep your finger on the pulse i'm very impressed julian i try yeah. i try uh you mentioned uh, Nelly, Harry James Angus before and how amazing he was. Um, I reckon it's about high time we hear about him and from him. You've had a bit of a chat to him and you're also going to play a song of his, I See Red. Harry James Angus, who has just played his first live set at Woodford 2019. So how was your first performance this year? Very good. Same, same as always. It's like coming back home. 
So you've been coming to Woodford for quite some time now. How have you seen the festival evolve over the years? Well, everything's like a lot better put together these days. Like all the big, you know, structures they've got around the site don't look they're gonna, like they're going to fall apart quite as easily as they used to. And well, it's not raining. That's a big change. You know, it hasn't changed that much. It's always been huge. It's always been a great mix of, I suppose, you know, artists, talking about the music, artists that you know and artists that you don't know who are really great. I love that about Woodford. Yeah, it's just the same. And speaking of evolving, also you have been in the Australian music scene for quite some time now. You are known actually for changing styles quite often. And in the latest album that you have done, it's taking inspiration also from some Greek mythology. Yes. So how did that happen? Yes, well, that was just, it's a good question. How did it happen? I don't know. It's just like sometimes you're sitting there and you have an idea. And it could be quite a strange one, but you just think, oh, yeah, that, that could work. So you try it out, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. But the, I was really interested in Greek myths because I was reading a bunch of them to my, to my children. Um, and I'm also, I've always loved gospel music with its vocal harmonies and its call and response. Uh, I'm not particularly religious, but I thought it would be cool to do something in a similar style to the gospel, um, the hymnal kind of call and response, but to do it with Greek mythology. And, yeah, that was fun. Actually, I'm playing a whole bunch of new songs here at Woodford that I haven't really played before. So what I did just then was actually mainly new stuff that isn't on any record yet. It's kind of like a good place to try it out. So you said that um, the idea just kind of came to you. So is that how it usually happens for you, you know, with your, all your different projects that you've done over the years, that these ideas, you just kind of let them brew in your head or do you just do them more spontaneously? What's your process when you create new music? Well, I'm essentially a jazz musician, so... I think what jazz musicians do that's a little bit different is you work really hard on playing your instrument, you work really hard on your craft, your technique, harmony, rhythm, all that stuff. But when it comes to the actual songwriting and performance, you try and leave it a little bit open-ended. Like, really you want to leave it wide open so that spontaneous things can happen and unexpected things can happen. And, you know, I think we don't see enough of that, actually, in live music these days. That um, We see a lot of really brilliant music up on stage that's been really well-crafted and well-rehearsed and, and perfected, and it's great. But um, I think it's really exciting when people leave room for the unexpected as well. So when it comes to writing songs, I, I don't think too hard about it. It's more like a scaffolding for the performance to hang off. It's just like a simple little tune, you know. Actually, I was thinking when I was watching you play before that it was quite a dramatic show. It is also a little bit theatrical. And mm. like you said, you have that sort of spontaneous, you know, improvisation element to it. So would you say you're a bit of a showman? And where does that come from? <laughs> you know, I, I've just by default uh, over the years, I've gotten pretty good at like conducting the band, you know. So it's really fun to just like turn around and say to the band do this do that or stop change you know get loud get quiet but really you have to have amazing musicians to respond to that otherwise you're just a bossy person shouting into a microphone you know so when you have the combination of like a loose uncertain structure and you have brilliant musicians who can respond to spontaneous commands and you just throw stuff at them that can be very exciting and it can actually appear to be like really well structured and really well rehearsed but it's just flying by the city of pants you know and how does your band find that i don't know i think they like it 
We should ask them. Maybe maybe they find me overbearing. I don't know. Do you play with the same band for most of the time? or Recently, I've been kind of mixing it up a bit. There are so many great musicians that I love to play with. And, you know, I can. I can just call up a bunch of people and say, can you be my band for the next show and change it up a bit. But recently, it's... It has actually formed into. I would say I have a new band now that's getting pretty, getting pretty regular. Everyone who played tonight is probably the, the people I would call first now. So yeah, I guess it is a regular band, but it's a new one. You mentioned before that you have been building that craft and how musicians build on that craft and you know learn instruments. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started with music and building your craft? Yes, absolutely. So for me, the most important thing was to I suppose be prepared enough that when you step out on stage you don't need to worry about getting everything perfect and you don't need to worry about every little detail um you know if you're confident enough in your abilities every mistake is actually an opportunity for something really exciting to happen but I think what often happens is that people worry that a mistake means like a failure you know and it doesn't have to be that way if you're really well prepared. So you do all the preparation over years and then you can step up on stage and you don't actually have to be that prepared, but you are, essentially you are. You're quite well known for your vocals, obviously. You have been one of the vocalists on The Cat Empire, mm-hmm. which most Australians would know, and also you know for your scatting. Mm-hmm. Are you self-taught? How did you learn singing? I'm more or less self-taught. With the singing, I was in a boys' choir when I was little, and since then I'm self-taught. And I could probably do with a few more lessons, to be honest. But, yeah, I guess I've always tried to do things to try and find my own style and not worry too much about what anyone else is doing, you know. Um, But also I've learned a lot from the musicians I've played with over the years in the Cat Empire and and in other places. Like, when you're playing with really great musicians every night, you you learn every night. Your latest album is called Struggle With Glory. Is that an analogy to your career? Because you shot into quite big fame or quite became quite a successful musician quickly with the Cat Empire. That's actually taken from a Greek, an ancient Greek um, proverb. And it's like, it's like the Greek Ten Commandments, except there's like a hundred of them. And one of them is struggle with glory. As in like, I think it's supposed to mean like, don't be too sure that you deserve glory but what i like about it is it can it can mean a lot of different things it could even mean like it's not easy being this good you know or it could mean i don't like being famous or it could mean uh, all kinds of things you know but essentially i just had to get a name and that's what popped into my head but yeah like i said that stuff is i mean i've been playing that stuff for a couple of years and i'm actually moving away from that now towards a new concept which is more more hypnotic Less gospel, more hypnotism. So do you think you'll keep changing your style? Yeah, I don't think anything wrong with um, changing your style. You're definitely keeping it interesting and there's still that element of you and your style, your jazz background and scouting that people are used to. Thank you so much for this interview and hopefully you will enjoy the rest of your festival. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
This is Harry James Angus. You're listening to 4EB 98.1 FM. Ah, what what a cool guy. What a cool guy. I, I love your interview as well, sort of talking into, like, the influence of music. Um, like, how does he how does he actually go about it? That's one of the, like, my favorite questions for artists. Um, yeah, it was super interesting because basically before he played that song, he did a massive intro talk, which was not included in this program because it did go on for a good five minutes where he was actually giving the whole audience the background of that song and how it comes from the Greek mythology mm. and, and what inspired him to, to write about that. And then after that whole spill, you hear the song and the song has, you know, so much change in it, you know, it's like it keeps building up and building up and building up. So, yeah, it was pretty incredible. Fair, fair. Uh it's um, we're coming up to 8 a.m. actually, so um, I've been told we're doing another hour today. So you uh, lucky guys back home, and maybe you lucky guys in your tents if you if you happen to have a radio. I haven't seen anyone with that, but if if you are, hello, happy to have you. Glad you're listening in. We have another hour. The Oxygen Program has kindly donated their time. Um, and what a good fortune it is as well, because we've got some things for you that I would hate to miss. I would hate to not play here. We've got the amazing Uncle Noel coming up um, with a, a lovely chat about... What was that about, Nelly? Yeah, so we had a chat with Uncle Noel, um, talked a lot about the history of the Ginibara tribe. So the Ginibara are the traditional custodians of the land we are on here mm. at Woodford. And they are very involved with the festival, have been for a very long time. So um, Uncle Noel himself has been also involved since 2006. So we sort of talk about, you know, how how they came to be involved, how, you know, things have changed over the years. Um, talked a lot about the Ginibara tribe and the things that they do with the festival and how they're getting their young people involved. It was a it was a good, um, lengthy chat. We got into a lot of stuff there and... Um, Uncle Noel, yeah, he, he has some stories to tell, so he could have probably got on a, a lot longer, but he's also a very busy man. But, yeah, he shared some really nice wisdom as well about, you know, their culture and the way they, they bring up their young, you know, by bringing them into their cultural activities. So, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a 
chat that goes um, sort of all over the place as well. That's great. Which is what I like. So yeah. that was that was actually really good. And he did a um, a talk, Let's Talk Jinnabara, which he is actually doing again today. So if you happen to have missed it a few days ago, I think it's a different to... language today. Is it? Uh, there, uh, is, yes. there is Jinnabara and there also is another language, okay. I'm fairly sure. Yeah. But um, so look, the, you... yeah, in the talking circle, they have um, indigenous language workshops that are actually led by Robert Arwing, who is um, indigenous uh, language educator. And um, yeah, I went to the Let's Speak uh, Jinibara language workshop yesterday. I can really recommend it. It's just interesting to even um, learn a few words. You know, it's, mm. it's there's not so much you can do in in that short workshop, but just to get a bit of a taste for it. And and we also talked about the situation of the indigenous languages and um, you know how some of it has been lost as well, mm. and and trying to revive it and things like that. So it was super interesting. I think today there's like there's a few different languages. There's uh, let's speak Waka Waka. Yes, is that's later on today. Yeah, and a few other ones. So I really recommend going to one of those ones and just, you know, getting that bit of um, knowledge about our indigenous languages here in Australia because I I don't think people know enough about them. Mm, especially exploring just the talking circle uh, area in general because. Crazy's gotten stuck in there a little bit. There's some lovely indigenous art for sale as well, if you happen to be so inclined. Uh, would be a, an amazing conversation piece and support for the indigenous communities here because a lot of them do support themselves with art and telling stories and um, encouraging that, I reckon, is always great. Um, I was recently um, at Uluru um, doing a, a tour there, an indigenous guided tour, because I thought it would always be really, really important to, if I were to experience that place, to, to get it done in a way that does reflect the history of the land. And um, I, I bought a dictionary there for the, the language of the APY lands, um, which um, the, the Uluru Karatuta Park is, is partly on. And um, it's, it's an amazing project because, as you, were said, as you were saying, a lot of indigenous languages are being lost because generations grow up removed from that culture. And, and there are amazing projects on the way to encourage people to get back into those languages and to, to teach them for, for generations to come and also for people who are interested in general. So um, the Pijinjara, Yankanjara um, dictionaries are for sale if they've been uh, compiled. And they're just, they're amazing to get into because it's such a rich sort of language um, in indigenous languages. There's so much, so much history and so much um, amazing sounds coming from, from languages and songs and, and stories. And if you're, if you're into uh, that sort of thing, I, I very much encourage you to, to give that a go. But I'm not going to steal your thunder. You've, well, got, you've got a chat with Uncle Noel coming up. Yes. And also in this interview, uh, you will hear a little bit of Jinibara. Oh. Some basic vocabulary that I learned in the workshop um, that Uncle Noel is also going to explain towards the end of it. So stay tuned and learn a little bit of language of the land we're on. Sounds amazing. Let's get right to it. I'm here with Uncle Noel, who is an elder and a spokesperson for the Jinibara people, who are the traditional custodians of the land we are on here at Woodford. Um, first of all, Uncle Noel, I'd like to thank you for having us here on your people's land and also thank you for having this chat. And I wanted to say Galangalera. Galangdelera. Galangdelera. Yes. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the history of the festival and your people, the Jinimbara people. So how did it all start and how far back does the cooperation go between the Jinibara and the Woodford Festival? Well, it goes back right from the start. I think Bill Ords, like everybody says, being the uh, main driver of this uh, festival 
It started at Mulaney, which we, we I went, I wasn't involved, and in. I was doing other things, you know. And uh, there were people up there, you know, proposing to be uh, Ginnaburra people right from the start. And then they moved down here after a few years, and I became involved down here in. 2006, that was my first year. Before that, there was some sort of, not so much conflict, but congestion that, uh, you know, like they needed to get the right people, like traditional owners of this country, to be involved because, you know, a lot of people wanted to be seen as traditional owners, but weren't actually connected to the traditional owners of this country, see? So that was a bit of an issue up right from the start. 2006, my brother kept asking me for a couple of years to come up here, and I, I decided in 2006 to come on my first year. So we had a meeting with, with the developed a bit, a bit of an Iliwa, so that gives us an idea how to manage our uh, partnership and what we had to do and why we need to do and all the rest of it. But I was always of the impression that it was here for the community and that's the way my my information and my my actions always was directed towards that, develop, developing something for the community. It, because you, as a lot of people know, like 2006, yeah, there was still times when there was heaps of conflict about, you know, black fellas and white fellas and all the rest of it, but we worked pretty hard at that as a, as a, as a, as a partnership, you know, Woodfordia and Ginnaburra ourselves and our, our, our connection, our people. You said you've been involved since 2006. Mm. Has your involvement increased with the festival or how has your Woodfordia journey been since then? Well, I can honestly say like it, it's been a pleasure, but it's also been a challenge too because uh, it can become very, very frustrating and then it can be very, very uh, difficult at times because the amount of uh, work that is involved has increased over the years and uh, it can become very quite exhausting and especially you know not not in the physical sense but when you're talking all the time uh, yeah i just i just didn't realize how exhausted you can get you know because there was times here when i was just totally can i use the word stuffed you know yeah and see like there was uh, i think last year was, was the first time when one of my pa i got a personal assistant I, I had a couple last year and one of my special one for the first time in the in the, in the on the on the side here it's hard for me to get away from people everybody you're on the in the in the site and everybody wants to talk to you and then uh, she took me to her camp her and her husband's camp at, uh, outside the festival site out in the in the paddock you know and and they set up a camp for me, and that, that, that was the first time I had a complete break through the, at the festival to have a sleep without interruption, you know? It, it was crazy, but it was enjoyable. And I, and I made sure that I got her back again this year, and she's right there too. That's amazing. So you've, you've made some friends along the way, and like you said, it's a lot of work for everyone involved with the festival. So do you have young people from the Ginibara community rising up and, and starting to take more of the responsibilities with the festival side of things? Well, right from the start, that's what our culture is all about. You know, we as old people now, we're getting older and older every year. Now, we want them to be involved. We, You know, we try very hard, but unfortunately, you know, there's things have changed in, in life over the years, you know, like priorities have changed. There's a lot more uh, attractions. See, like, we have our culture, in our culture, in there, we don't, we didn't have any trouble with, with gambling, drinking and all that, you know. So, so it's, it's a bit of a worry, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's life that, have, like, we have to deal with it. It's like the... Uh, like the non-indigenous uh, culture. You know, they got the alcohol and drugs and all, you know, like everything else, money and gambling and all that. And it's there for everybody to use. So you know, it, it's up to you as an individual, but it's very hard for people who are in, in a situation where they haven't got uh, or they haven't had the opportunity to see anything different. See, when I was a young kid, my grandmother took me as a young boy and she used to take me everywhere. You know, I had weekends and that. And in our, in our culture, our grandparents, grandmothers used to do that. She took me until I was about 13 or 14. 
Then I went to the to the old fellas, you know, and they took after looked after me. But then there was a space between. This is the danger area, dangerous time when there's a space between when you're a certain age and your hormones are changed and you 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 get your priorities wrong. See, you know, you got all the you want to enjoy all the good things in life. And there was a time for a few years where I just didn't do anything culturally appropriate, you know. But then as I got older and I got get a little bit more wiser, you know, in my well, I can't say what age. 40s maybe. I remembered all the things I learned when I was young. And I buy Jesus, I tell you, that's a blessing now because, you know, I can do all the things that culturally appropriate, you know, as far as my customers are concerned. But a lot of kids haven't got it. They haven't got it these days, see? And that's where we're missing out. I get something to go back and carry on from when I learned when I was a kid. But they haven't got it. Now we're trying to teach them to come along and get involved, like making artifacts, song and dance, and, you know, getting involved in uh, our traditional uh, activities, like camping and fishing. And there's a lot of things that they can land like, that, I, that I still know I want to encourage them to do that and we, we're doing the best we can here at Woodford too see Woodford we've got a dance troupe we've got the gallery and we've got uh, the other activity where we invite other traditional owners from other other parts of Australia to come even internationally you know it's all part of that promoting culture no matter who you come from but especially Jinnaburra culture you know? and it's very important the good thing about it is we get the support from not only the, com- the community but Woodford here and, uh, and their partnership now is so it's all about about, uh, uh, not about I, me and mine anymore, it's about you, us, we and ours. So what this place is ours, it's a sacred place. We have three and a half thousand odd volunteers that come here. They are responsible for building this place, making it look like this, and then when the festival is finished, it's all over, and you see this place like a ghost town, you know? But now it, it looks, it's so much activity. But everybody, peace and army that exists here, the friendships that's been made, and you know, like, and, and, and the respect we have for each other, it's just massive and awesome, eh? It's beautiful, it's lovely. And I keep telling everybody, it's a sacred place, but it's ours. It's everybody's sacred place. It belongs to us because we make it all together what it is now, see? And that's very important, yeah. You mentioned before that in the early days of the cooperation between the festival and the Ginnabara, there was a bit of a rocky start. It wasn't always perfect, but it's it's gotten better over the years. So in your opinion, what could other festivals in Australia learn from how to collaborate with Indigenous people? You know, I can't speak for the other festivals because I haven't been to many of them. But, you know, I think this one is the only one that, to, to, that we are in, Aboriginal traditional elders are involved to, to a great extent. It's just we're part of the, the show, you know, like it, it's not an attraction without us, you know, or without me anyways now. Nah, but, you know what I mean, like it's uh, it's something that uh, we built together. We worked hard to to make sure it's, uh, what everybody wants. It's not ours. It's, it belongs to everybody that comes here. They're like the performances, the performers that's coming there, they are selected because of their uh, what they can bring to the, the festival. And it's uh, there's a lot of indigenous things happening here, and that's that's really because it's it's it's, it's, it's uh, promoting cultures from all over the world. See, and that's what we need to do because if we recognise that and accept that, because uh, and, and and adopt an attitude where you know it's not who you are, where you come from, or what you look like or what you wear or you know we've got to respect everybody for what they are everybody's allowed to have an opinion but some people can't have an opinion they just look different you know they can't express themselves but we have to be prepared to recognize that and and, and, and encourage it the best way we can to make them happy and live in peace and harmony you know you know i think that's important see because uh, this is our our community we make it what it is so we have to make it so that everybody enjoys what we all are here for, you know? And I think that's important, yes. 
And is there something about um, your culture, so the Geneva culture, that you would like to share with our listeners? How would you recommend they find out more about your culture here at the festival? Well, we have talk sessions and that, and we've got a gallery, and we've got a tea room up here where, where elders sit down and people can come and have a talk. And see, like, and that's important because what we're trying to also establish is a, is a talking circle, a, a, a yarning circle type of thing. And that's where, if we can set that up and people come along as a group, because what happens is that when we're trying to watch uh, performances or uh, like going out and looking at different uh, people's uh, and enjoying the uh, shows that are promoted here, people will come up to you in the show and they'll talk to you, you know? They're not, they, they don't uh, think that you want to watch the show and uh, and uh, the, what the performance is as an ordinary, you know, like an onlooker, see? They think because you're, uh, you're, you're someone, they need to talk. And that's what exhausts you because you're repeating yourself, you know? Uh, one year I put a sign up behind where I was sitting and watching the acts, you know, the performances, and the sign said, please uh, refrain from talking while the performers are, you know, performing, see? But even then, like, that, that doesn't mean anything. They come up and say, Uncle Noel, Uncle Noel, you know? Can you tell us that they want, some, they want to know something, see? What we're trying to do now is develop... Uh, and we're getting to a stage where we're creating process where a lot more people are involved. The younger we want our younger people to be involved because they're going to be our future leaders. But we want them to continue with the the, the process we've got now, the the, the agreement we got now, the partnership we got now, where it's there. We take we look at everything in in in, in, its, in its value to this place, not only culturally but uh, community wise, and and and, and how, how the people it's their show. So we. We try to make sure that what we do is, is what they want, you know. Yeah, it's very important, yeah. And your nephew is getting more involved with the festival as well, isn't he? Yeah, a few nephews getting more involved, but some of them got more talent than others, you know. And some of them got more uh, uh, set on their priorities too. So, yeah, but it, it all takes time, you know. And, and you know, hopefully you know, we'll be in a... Well, I think we're in pretty good hand with the young people that we've got anyway. So we've got myself and my brother Ken and, and our sister Edna. And we've all got children that uh, that uh, sometimes a little bit hard to uh, control, but you know, well, some of them, not all of them, but you know, but sometimes it's uh, when I say hard to control, it's about you know teaching them what needs to happen. And, and like when you're talking to heaps of people all the time, it, it can be a bit daunting, you know. See, like I'm I'm very shy at art, I really am, but I do this because it needs to be done, and someone has to do it. And I'm good at it. No, no, just kidding. Don't be shy. Well, I know you are a very busy man. You said everybody wants to talk to Uncle Noel, so I'm going to attempt another word, Yanande. Very good, very good. Yeah, very good. Yanande means see you later. We don't say goodbye because goodbye is not a good word to use, you know, because we want to see you later, you know. When you say goodbye to someone, sometimes you might never see each other again, see? So we just say Yanande, see you later. But what was the other one now? The most important one, remember? Was it Gara, Gara, Yara or something? like that? Yari Gari. Yari Gari. What does that mean? Welcome. Yari Gari means welcome. Galang Galera is that. Hope you're feeling good. Hope you're doing all right. Hope you're how you're going and all that. And then Yanade means see you later. So that's some of the local Ginibara language for all of us here at the lands of the Ginibara at the Woodford Festival. So thank you once again, Uncle Noel, for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you for having me. And thank you to Nelly for uh, 
you know, taken out her time to interview him. It was it's such a privilege to, you know, oh, be yeah. in the presence of, of such a man. Absolutely. I would take that time any time. So I'm just really grateful that he was able to, you know, take a little bit of time out of his day to talk to me. Um, so I went to meet with him and his personal assistant that he was talking about in the interview as well, that he's um, very happy to have now at the festival to help him get around because as... Um, as we talked about, he's very busy during the festival. He has mm. a lot of um, obligations and uh, a lot of people want to talk to him. So I'm, I'm very thankful that us, you know, at our 4 b station got a bit of his time. It is a quarter past eight on this beautiful Monday morning. You're listening to Wake Up Adward 48 here on Radio 4 b 98.1. We're also broadcasting on Global. We're also broadcasting on the iHeartRadio app. And we're on Spotify, uh, which, yes, Alex has been hard at work putting all the things on Spotify. I can see him hard at work over there right now, actually. He's, uh, is that a joke or is he actually... That is a joke. Yes, he's relaxing in his car, as yeah. he should, because it's early. Sometimes you got to nap, take a rest. Yeah. We, we work late nights. We work early mornings. That so. is true. We've uh, got a fourth person in the studio. Yeah, it is our lovely, lovely Baruse. Hello. Hello. Good morning. How are you feeling? Yeah, very good. Great. So yeah. you've you've already been been up and about a little bit. You had a bite to eat. Yes, I had a bit of yeah. He went for a run. I did go for a run. Yeah, That's crazy madness. <laughs> I went for yeah. a run uh, to yeah. the shower, uh, to the showers yeah. and toilets. That's yeah. as far as I went. Do you no. think that um, Woodford has good running grounds or good places to run? Yeah, it's nice. Generally nice mm. atmosphere. Yeah, the environment's quite nice around here. So yeah, quite and hilly. Pe- people are respectful on the road as well. Like when they see it, that oh, that's you good. Running there usually yeah. drive with with a bit more care and yeah, bit of up and down hill, which is good training. But yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. And fresh air to breathe. Fresh air. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yesterday I went for a run too. I went a bit late, maybe around seven thirty, eight o'clock, and I was struggling with the sun on my way back. <laughs> yeah. This morning I went a bit earlier, so it was nice. Excellent. Yeah. And how are you enjoying the festival so far? You've been here one yeah. full day. Yeah, one one and a half day now. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's my first experience at Woodford. Every year I wanted to come, and yeah, something. Mm. It's it's Christmas time, so some usually I'm away or something happens. And, yeah. yeah, I haven't had the chance. I'm really. Happy that I got to come in with the team for mm. for a week and covering the festival at the same time, experiencing the fest- festival firsthand and talking to a lot of people here and stallholders and uh, musicians and seeing a lot of talents. It's, it's just amazing. It's just, I was talking to one of the stallholders yesterday and she was like, yeah, this is almost like a, you come to a dream town for a week <laughs> and then every everything is just nice. Everyone's nice and everything yeah happens so smoothly and everything. And oh. There's no rush. There's no yeah. care about time of the day or time yeah day of the week. And then you go. The, the sad part is when you go back and then yeah oh, there is another board you have to live. <laughs> there is the real board you have to live. Yeah, in. Jack, Jackie yeah, it's Trad, just amazing. Jackie Trad said it's it's a place where you can just go and live a little for a while, and I reckon yeah. that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, and yeah, all these people come in around more than a hundred thousand people come in during mm-hmm. the weekend, and they all come together as a com- big one, big community, which is amazing as well. And everyone's yeah, yeah. And Baruz, you're quite a relaxed, laid-back person yep. outside of running, <laughs> outside of exercising. But I was curious to know what is your schedule? Are you looking at like the brochure and the app? beforehand or are you just kind of walking into the festival and seeing what captures your attention so yeah generally festivals like this is yeah you always tend to go for the big names or the people you know or you people you heard on say on 40 percent on triple j or mm. yeah you know them from somewhere but i think what the best experiences come from your like when you go to a random gig and yeah just see it 
something different yeah, yeah and absolutely. yeah some new talents and yeah the surprise ones and then yeah they they usually more eager to talk to you and give you an interview time as well so which yeah. is nice so <laughs> yeah and you get you get to hear about the life and yeah the the story of their musical life as well so yeah i'll just yeah i have a yeah bit of a sort of a relaxed type Attitude of plan yeah, yeah yeah so i know sort of where i'm going to go but yeah i'm just open and, and yeah sometimes i walk with someone else and mm. see what their plan is and, yeah. yeah well thank you so much for joining us this morning okay. Bruce, especially really after good, a yeah. run yeah so You're this a is a bit of a longer longer show it's a three-hour <laughs> run today so i thought i'd come in and yeah give you guys a bit of yeah. a hand yeah we've, I mean, we've already been spinning a couple of the tracks that you recorded from danny whittacombe and trichotomy uh, oh yeah yeah which yeah. have been amazing it's a they're, they're a great project honestly Tr- trichotomy yeah probably one of my favorite Brisbane bands. I've seen them live maybe seven, eight times through and the years. Yeah, and the new collaboration—it's just amazing. I did. I wouldn't think it would have worked, but yeah, it's just mm. amazing. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're internationally famous now. For Academy, they're they're huge. They've absolutely blown up. So yeah. great to see them uh, here. You know, coming to to Woodford, gracing us with their presence. And, That's um, right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've uh, we've got another chat coming up. We're we're all chats today, aren't we? Um, Quasi's prepared a, a little something something for us. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, I was at the um, Folklorica stage, and um, they predominantly uh, feature a lot of ethnic and international acts, which is exciting. And so there was one musician, Sanjit, who is um, an Indian world music um, star, and he was performing with Brisbane's own Shen, who is famous or popular in Australia for playing the tabla music. So both of them were playing quite unique instruments that I've never heard of before, um, if I'm being honest. So I'd never heard of them before. So I was really interested to see what it's like to play different instruments that aren't really native to Australia or known by Australians. So, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, this will be a bit of a two-parter. We'll, we'll hear some more from you in just a second. So... Let's uh, let's see a crazy interview with Shen and Sajid. You're listening, by the way, to 4AB 98.1, Wake Up at Woodfordia. My name's Julian, with me in the studio, Kwesi from the African group, Nelly from the Finnish group, and now Bruce from nowhere in particular, or are you part of the group, Bruce? I'm part of the per- Persian, the Persian group, group that's that right. I don't broadcast any longer. Yeah, yeah, Farsi language, yeah. Well, there we go. Let's listen to Shen and Sajid.
performance at the Folk Warrior. So guys, can you just tell us, our audience, what you were playing? Uh, it's an Indian classical music. We have basically rag system, raga system. And that's I'm performing the morning raga. I performed the morning raga. It's called Nat Bhero and uh, Indian classical music. And he played on the sarangi, which is like an Indian violin with 41 strings. And I was accompanying on the tabla. And so how did you guys meet? I think I met, I, I, I know him when I was very young. Yeah. Teenage, he used to come in my home and practice. He practiced with my uncle in my hometown, Varanasi. And uh, but we get chance to play together here in Australia in 2008 or nine, eight or nine something. We started together, and since we are a good friend. Excellent. And excellence um, in Australia, we have quite a big Indian population. And so, do you believe that your music is quite popular here, or there is a big audience here to listen to your music at all? Uh, if you ask uh, Indian community here, big and uh, they're listening Indian classical music, I say no. More small percentage, small percentage very small percentage. And but the the Australian people who live here, like uh, Aussie people, they love more. They like more Indian classical music. Most of my concert, they they the crowd is more Australian, less Indian. Watching you both perform, two things that I noticed, a mastering of arts, I imagine years of dedication to the instruments, and then on top of it that you both just enjoy what you're doing and have fun with each other, which I really love. So I kind of wanted to gauge what is the music scene in Australia, more pointed to you, Shen. Um, what do you think the world music scene is in Australia like? And do you think young people or Australians across the board do have the opportunity to learn instruments that aren't native to Australian culture? Yes, um, yeah, we have great opportunities in Australia because we have so many people, so many cultures living here. So we do have access to a lot of different arts and that's how I came to be playing tabla because I was at the time living in Melbourne and found my tabla teacher and he sent me to his father and everyone has those kind of opportunities. But on the other hand, the problem here is that um, people tend to be a bit shallow and they don't really go deeply into any one thing very easily. They, they try a bit of this and then when it gets hard they think 
I'll try something else and there's a bit of, it's hard to get the depth in Australia there's not many people really pursuing one thing really wholeheartedly so would you say that's an issue that's focused in Australia or do you think you've seen that mirrored elsewhere too it's everywhere it's global and it's a current phenomenon because everyone is a short-term uh, thinking that's growing um, but it is a bit more in Australia than other places like you see people in European people going to America I feel like they, they kind of go into it more deeply but there's all kinds of people everywhere yeah, and world music scene in Australia is uh, there's really good collaborations you find um, good cross-cultural collaborations here and uh, with an original flavor kind of open Australian flavor which is really nice yeah and within the specialized fields I can only really talk about Indian classical music. There's a limited number of artists, but there's a few good artists. It can be quite hard to live here and uh, from performing. Teaching is a really important part of the livelihood as a professional musician here. very simple i want all of you to sing with me jay jay ram jay jay ram only this okay jay jay ram 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 I can't hear. I'm alone. Are you all?
was uh, Shen and Sagid having a bit of a chat to Kwesi. But before you're listening to Lime Cordial's A Robbery, um, because, uh, again, it's Monday and our tech program also thinks that it is Monday. So that was Lime Cordial with A Robbery. Really, really catchy song. They were playing that yesterday uh, uh, at the big stage at the Ampi. bit late uh, in the night, so uh, sadly I wasn't able to get any audio for you guys. Uh, and also it was super, super busy. But uh, rest assured, it was an amazing show. Everyone was uh, very, very happy to dance and cheer and uh, play along and i have to say it's just a it's a great song i love it so uh, a bit of lime cordial and uh Kwesi also uh wants to talk a bit about shen and Sagit. is that right yeah i just want to say really engaging interview um and we're just going to continue on with a few more questions that i had for them yeah. i'm ready thank you so much Kwesi. active instruments do you think number and learning or dwindling I kind of think you touched on it earlier before with the mastering of the arts, people kind of getting stuck and turning away. But do you think you are seeing people enroll more or be more interested in the instruments? Now they're starting more interested, but like a, there's a big gap between uh, 1940s to 50, 50, 50, after 50 to 2000, it's a big gap. People are not much in Indian classical music, but I can only talk Indian classical music in India, so uh, now they, they are starting and they're interested, yeah. I've got a lot of tablet students, growing number of tablet students, so I feel like, at least in Brisbane, the interest in tablet is growing. I can't talk about it widely. There's a few, I occasionally find um, a few people like myself, Australians, who got into Indian classical music. I think that's a good measure of how popular something is when it's um, outsiders coming really pursuing it and there's a few around Australia that are trying and waiting to see them and some of my kids like tabla kids I'm really hopeful that at least a few of them will really pursue it and go to India and study there yeah and my final question for today is how do you think that we can better support musicians as a society in terms of maybe young people learning new instruments that are a bit different or mastering that craftship Well, how could we do that? You need, I guess, create more opportunities for young people. So if there were, I guess, school programs to access these kind of things. But uh, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Within the, I mean, I'd love if, if there was any way to support, like, uh, maybe students from the communities who can't really afford professional tuition or something like that. That could be really good community should support here then it will grow yeah and then finally finally what do you think the value is of places like Woodford in terms of supporting the art I think it's great They're, this festival doing good job yeah. we're getting good uh, opportunity to perform and meet lots of people and lots of artists worldwide artists so it's a good opportunity for us and I really want to thank the Woodstock festival invite us yeah yeah it's a really as an Indian classical musician this is one of the best platforms for us to um, first of all reach a big audience that we might not normally reach and secondly actually get paid for what we're doing yeah. it's quite hard outside this kind of festival so thanks to Woodford yeah well guys thank you once again for your performance today really enjoyed it and I wish you all the best for the future thank you 
Shannon Sagit uh, and Woodford with uh, a lovely bit of... Well, it's not culture clashing, it's more like culture jamming in a way. You know, mm. if you've got Australia and you've got India sort of meeting halfway and, and you know, putting on a, a world-class performance. You said he's really, really quite famous, uh, mm. uh, Sagit, in his own yeah, right, and Shen yeah. as well. And I think it's important to note that um, because the Indian population is quite spread out across the world and it's quite big, um, Indians have produced a lot to the art scene mm. in terms of movies, TVs, music. Um, so they are part of, like, in very big in South Africa, where I'm from, Fiji, um, even American, C- Canadian culture and British. So many um, arts de- derived from India. Mm. So absolute pleasure to speak to the two of them in regards to how is Australia mixing and jamming the cultures. Yeah. Sounds great. You're listening to 4EB 98.1. Wake up at Wood 40. It is currently almost 20 to 9. With me in the studio, I've got uh, Kwesi from the African group, who you've just heard with the lovely interview, Nelly from the Finnish group, who uh, has done some amazing, amazing work today. Thank you so much, Nelly. And fresh joined with us from his tent is Barus from the uh, Persian group and also a uh, staff member at 4EB. Hello, guys. My name is uh, Julian. You know me. I'm from the German group. I don't need to say that, I hope. Um, I talk too much anyway, so, you know. Um, we saw we saw a, um, a, a an act from, from uh, the, the Indian-Pakistani area as well yesterday, didn't we, Barus? Yeah, it was a good, quite a... Yeah. I can't quite remember the name of the artist. I was going yeah. to say, the only thing that stuck with me was uh, he's called a Pakistani Pavarotti. Yeah, so that's quite a big... That is a big yeah, moniker. That yeah. is a, a thing to carry with you. So, Was it a musician? What kind of act is this? Yeah, it was a band, more like a tabla music mm-hmm. group, yeah. And just sitting on the ground and yeah, playing, playing tabla. Playing at Halcyon at, at um, oh, well, let's say about like 10.30. Uh, 10.30, 11, I think it was, yeah. 10.30 Halcyon, a um, bunch, of, bunch of very jolly looking fellas sitting... Sort of, you know, sitting on the ground. You said tabla. We've got a bit of drum and and um, some great singing, and also storytelling. So this song is about X Y Z, and and sort of you go into the the history of it, and then you know you sing the song, and the song itself tells the story, which I always really really admire about music from from cultures like that. Mm. Is storytelling is is intricately woven together with music, and um, you don't you sometimes don't get that in pop. Um, I mean, you definitely don't get it in pop unless uh, you're Taylor Swift and you think breakups are interesting. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not uh, a fan of mainstream music. Not a f- <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not not a Swifty. I'm sorry. But then yeah, yeah, your audience doesn't get to like meditate with your music. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, you would see, you look at the audience and everyone's just yeah, mm. that's mm. a yeah. bit of a spiritual feeling. Yeah. So that was um, at Halsey yesterday, ten forty. So I was I was pretty bang on. It was Farhan Shah and the brothers Kowali. Um, yeah, the the Pakistani Pavarotti Farhan Shah, and um, yeah, we we sampled so it for a couple of minutes. It was great. Continue on from what you were saying. So is that in terms of the interaction? There's a better interaction like between audience and yeah, musician? the interaction. And I think it's just a meditative state of music mm-hmm. in general. I think where the music comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of more spiritual, more, more from soul, more, yeah, yeah, soul, yeah. yeah. So rather than having a classical structure of yeah or scientific approach to music, mm. yeah, more like yeah, yeah, just comes from the heart, yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. That's my impression, anyway. Yeah, I have to say, by the way, that I am loving the Halcyon stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went there. I think. The, yesterday for the first time and um it's hard to pick my favorite venue or stage but at halcyon like you said you can sit on the floor like mm. when i went there in front of the stage there were some cushions and some mats and you could just slide down and listen to the music which um i'm a bit of a grandma so i honestly <laughs> love that but it's so comfy 
Yeah. yeah. You're surrounded by really great food as well. We were raving about the, the Pad Thai place, which is just around the corner. And yeah, it's 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 a lovely atmosphere. Yeah, it's a say. nice shady area. And yeah, it, uh, that's what I was exactly thinking too last night. Yeah, this is the perfect location for that type of music. And it's, yeah, it's much yeah. more low-key and, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, just relaxed. And it was great. I, I love sort of the breadth of stages we have. We've got like big like massive stages like we've got a grand we've got amphitheater where it's you know the, the the pop bands can play and battle it and you know they can have all the fancy sound equipment and then you've got halcyon you've got bob's bar you've got some of the smaller sort of venues where you know like just just sit down have a bit of a bevy or, or lie down and, and listen to music and that's that's the beauty of woodford in a way do you guys have a favorite venue or stage in terms of um not so much the shows that are there but in terms of what it's like as an audience member to watch a show there mm. Uh, I'll, I'll put the question out to the room while I consider it. But I think it, it's amazing for me that they've got an actual circus. Yes, at the yeah. thank you. I'm so glad it's you not, said it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I know it's your favorite. Yeah, every time we ask, crazy, <laughs> right? um, I, I'm off to the circus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for, for, favorite for me, I think it's the is the stage where they do most of the blues music. I think it's mm. blue, it's called Blues Town. Blues Town, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another really good one. I like the one. setup. Yeah, not too big, not too small, but yeah, you got you got the grass area to sit in. Yeah. It's I've been I've been hearing some great tunes from that um, because when you walk up to the hillside, you you sort of walk a bit past Bluestown and yeah, you've been, been hearing some great stuff. I still need to go and check it out. That's definitely on my radar. But and yeah, the great. Amphi too is yeah. The last night was my first experience at Amphi and it was just amazing. Mm, yeah. mm. Quite big, yeah. Big festival. Yeah. So crazy for you, it's a circus, right? Yeah, I think just having a 360 stage is something that I'm not yeah. used to. So it's interesting to see how the performers kind interact. of yeah interact with people behind them and go back and how the stage is set up to all the design the choreography is designed to get everyone involved mm. which i'm a fan of yeah fair i must say um i like a lot of the smaller stages i've been at small hall before and i think it's really quite cute and cozy and comfy and the stage design is lovely um but i i would probably have to say for now it would be luna um because i just like the, the the way that Luna is set up, it, it being so central, means that people are very likely to walk past and like either with the brother brothers, um, you listen to some music, you hear just in the corner of your ear, you, you walk past and you're like, this is amazing, so you just stop by. And because it is so central, people do line up at the sides. When we were at Sahara Beck uh, on our first day here, that's what I saw, is, is people coming past and just standing by the sidelines and, and listening for a little bit. And then when they're satisfied, you know, either they go and get some food or they sit down if there's a seat. and it, it seems to be the perfect sort of uh, venue for a, for a thing like Woodford where stuff all around you and then there's music playing and come along and have a good time if you want to, but no pressure. Like you don't have to walk to Ambi, which is, it's quite a trek. Even if you're going to the lower side of it, it's still, it's a walk and a half. Um, so it's, it's um, yeah, for me, sort of like the perfect storm. I think um, before the end of Woodford this year, I'd still like to experience some more stages that I haven't been to. Mm. So I love Halcyon. Bluestown as well is a big favorite for me. Um, but also the circus. I haven't made it to the circus mm. yet, although I've been planning this whole time, but I've just, you know, been swept away with other <laughs> things. But So I want to see the circus, and I would also love to see some of the music performances that are within the bar venues. Yes. So maybe Bob's Bar or Pineapple Lounge, where they usually have some you know, musicians perform yeah. later on at night. We we saw we saw a good bit of music at the Pineapple Lounge on the first night. Yeah, but, yeah. That was I wasn't real, I was focused on my beer, but <laughs> <laughs> has anyone been to any workshops yet? I, I mean, sort of. I suppose you know the poetry one that I went to on um, when we were doing the broadcast on Saturday. 
um, I, I suppose that counts as a workshop. Um, it was more, it was, it was more a bit of suggestion. We didn't really like workshop much, um, but you know, I'm, I'm sort of I'm trying it. They're on the list. Um, I've got another poetry performance thing lined up today that I'm quite interested in. I'll see if I manage to get along to that. That's actually on quite soon after the broadcast, so I might have to give it a miss because. I need to get through my coffee and I need to catch some Z's because it's going to be a big day today because uh, I'm going to go and get Lee Sales. Uh, oh. Lee, if you're listening, I'm challenging you. Uh, I don't care what your PR person says. I'm, I'm coming for that interview. <laughs> um, we, we, you know, we, we're happy to, to support the ABC because the ABC needs it. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, well, we've got Lee Sales. We've got, um, who else do we have? We've got Curl Reach coming up. I want to be awake for that because they're amazing. Um, the Brother Brothers as well. I was raving about them before, and um, I really want to make time to go and see them properly and uh, maybe get a bit of audio for you guys because if you haven't heard them before, you definitely are missing out. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll get a workshop done today. Uh, there'll be the Jinnabara one again. Um, so I recommend the Indigenous language ones, uh, even if you pick one of the other ones. It's mm -hmm. um, really, really good. So that's the only workshop I've done, but I really enjoyed it. And... Um, yeah, Robert Arwing, who's um, leading the workshops, is very knowledgeable and good at, you know, giving you that introduction to language. And, uh, Beirut, have you been to any workshops? No, not yet. I've, I've had a look at a couple of the, yeah, health what workshops of food food workshops, which is mm. oh, nice. my interest. For, yeah, the music sounds a bit more exciting mm. in Woodford, yeah, when, while you're in Woodford. But, yeah, I think Marek, our photographer, has decided for us to go to a workshop all together <laughs> this uh, afternoon at 6 o'clock. He wants us to dance, that's right. Yeah, oh, dance. Is that the Latin Latin dance? dancing at 6 o'clock, so apparently, yeah. So yeah, if everyone has to give up work and, yeah. If you want a really cringy montage of people dancing to, to tunes, uh, you know, maybe that's in the pipeline. Yeah. So, I, I saw a really interesting workshop today, actually, scrolling through when I was looking at the program. Um, because I, I came here in, in Converse, uh, because, I, you know, Converse, decent, decent pair of shoes. Uh, I also have a pair of thongs. But what I was lacking was sort of like, you know, like an in-between, like a sandal or something a bit more open. And um, there's a workshop going on today uh, from 2 till 5. So it's a three-hour workshop where um, a bunch of leather workers actually walk you through the steps of making your own pair of sandals. And by the end of the three-hour workshop, they'll be festival ready. So they'll be fully, you know, strapped in and, and cured and painted and, and everything you want. And um, to me, that sounds like a pretty good package, honestly. You know, three hours of hard work and then you get a pair of shoes out of it, which handmade pair of shoes. You can't say anything bad about that. So I'm, I might check that out if, uh, well, first of all, if it's not too expensive and also if there's nothing in the way otherwise. And I do need to check that. Um, I think there is a bit of a cost with that because you do have to pay for the materials. For the leather, I bet, yes. Um, I think I might have seen something about like 60-ish bucks. Not entirely That's, sure. You can get a um, pair of sandals but that way is, more than that. It's pretty affordable because yeah. if you were to buy real leather shoes, you know, you can easily mm. pay, you know, 200 or more. But yeah, that sounds super interesting. But on the other hand, I don't know if I'd trust myself to be able to make <laughs> something that I'd actually want to wear. Yes, that's true. That's true. There was another really cool and one about didgeridoos. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was thinking about actually going to that. Um, make a didgeridoo? Yeah, like I think nice, it would be nice. excitingly fun. A good piece of artwork. I don't know how my housemates would feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> just bringing in a big um, piece of wood into the house. But yeah, I'm thinking of definitely trying that out. It is a bit pricey though, from what I saw. It's like 160 it's bucks. 120 or 160 dollars. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it is. But like you'll you said, get a, it's a piece of culture. Yeah. To keep yeah. forever. 
And you made it. Yeah, that's a mm. storyteller. And yeah. also you learn how to play it. That's part of the workshop as well. You learn how to actually, you know, like get sounds out of it that sound didgeridooly. And mm. yeah, mm. <laughs> there, was a, there was a guy at Grand um, when we were um, listening to Archie Roach, uh, who was there uh, with his very young daughter. And um, I saw him at the corner of my eye and he was uh, trying to teach her sort of how to get some sounds out of it because he was using a didgeridoo part of as an instrument, part of as a crutch as well, because he had a bit of a limp. I think he either he's, he's fallen or he's, he's had a limp for a while and he's using that. And his, his daughter was, was just enraptured by it and he was, you know, doing the mouth movements and everything. So, you know, if you're keen on doing that. Give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. put it down for business expenses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can try at least. Yeah. Um, how will we going for music? Do you know what's up next? Um, I've got a bit of Suicide Country Hour for you guys to round out the three-hour session. They're lovely. They're playing again today. They're playing for the last time, so go and catch them if you haven't yet. They play depressing country, as they say themselves, um, but they also do a bit of light-hearted stuff. So they're they're jokesters. Um, go and laugh at their jokes and listen to their music they're not entirely like super country if if you know you think country is is for the devil some people do um <laughs> no they're 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 great they're a good laugh um great musicians as well um i had a bit of a chat to simo and sarah simo being the lead singer and sarah playing the accordion um i played that just a couple of days ago i think um but i've got them here with their songs bottles and darling downs the latter being about toowoomba so toowoomba folks represent
you're listening to 98.1. Corey B. And we're Suicide Country Hour. Yes, that was a Suicide Country Hour indeed. Catch them again today. Um, I forgot where they are playing, but go and look it up. You see the app. The app is great when it works. Uh, it does have its moments, but it is Monday, so, you know, everyone has their moments when it's Monday. You've been listening to Wake Up at Wood 48 here on 4UB 98.1, as they so eloquently put it. Please, please do catch us again uh, tomorrow, starting again at 6 a.m. Uh, it should be Georgia and other people. Uh, do also catch us on Spotify, iHeartRadio app, and we'll be on global, same as the FM broadband. My name's Julian, uh, with me in the studio, Nelly, Equazi, and Barus. And um, I will leave you uh, with Kingfisher, Water Running, which is a, a lovely track. We've been jamming out to it pretty much uh, all festival. I, uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to hearing more from them. Uh, they're on my radar for uh, great bands to come. See you guys around. Uh, it was lovely having you in the studio today for our three-hour broadcast. Thank you so much for all the groups at 4DB for giving us their time, and also for Woodford for having us here. And also, biggest thanks to uh, all you lovely listeners. Um, it was it was lovely having you, and see you and hear you again tomorrow. Goodbye, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Ta-ta. Cheerio. Bye. And this will be Kingfisher. Put a running. I found a path lead me places with unexpected climbs. It's mean and more to be somehow we do find a curse inside the street. Complement our flight.